Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I can't believe it's already Friday night. Sitting in the studio, bringing you Tech Vibe Radio. It's a true honor and a privilege. We love doing this. We've been doing Tech Vibe Radio for over 10 years now. And we just, we, we can't stop. But Audrey had to stop tonight because she has laryngitis. <laughs> so we have a special co-host with us tonight. We have David Gerwin from Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney filling in for Audrey tonight. David, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jonathan. And get well soon, Audrey. We're thinking about you. We we're pouring one over the curb for you right now. <laughs> That's the sound of my 40 ounce going right over the curb right now. We would never do that. Anyhow, so... To kick the show off, I want to learn a little bit more about Dave. You, you, you're like one of, you've been part of Pittsburgh's tech sector as one of the top attorneys out there. Really, for, how long have you been in Pittsburgh for now? Over 20 years. Yeah, now. I was going to say, in Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney is one of the founding partners of the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Like, literally, as the tech council was conceived back in 1983, folks in Buchanan, Ingersoll were, were, were making that happen. So they've been with us lock, stock, and barrel, literally for 35 years almost. And you've been part of the tech scene here for 20. So you've seen the rise of what's happening here. What do you think is going on in Pittsburgh's tech sector right now? Well, I think it's become much more diversified, for one thing. Definitely. I think when I first came here, it was very software heavy. Um, but with the expansion into the energy sector and right. healthcare IT, and now obviously with the transformative uh, you know, presence of, of Google and what's happened to the East End and and. Uh, what I think is really going to be a uh, not only transformative for this region, but really transformative potentially for the world is all the uh, the autonomous driving technology that's come here, which is just going to ask you about. That. It, it's yes. just it's so cool, and it's and so much is happening here with with Uber, with uh, with with Argo, Aurora AI, Innovations, and Delphi. It's right. like the, it's like we're just swelling and growing, and and it's just making us just. Like literally the center of attention. And the world, as you just said, the world is really starting to take notice of this. Um, it's putting Pittsburgh on the map. Um, I mean, think about it. Um, people are very seriously talking about Amazon's HQ2 in Pittsburgh, and it's not just some like silly ha ha. Right. No, it's like legitimately like that could work for them if they wanted right. to. Right. Uh, which is, to me, is just mind blowing to yeah. think that we can be in that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little about, like, how do you work with, with tech companies when you're at Buchanan Ingersoll? What kind of an attorney are you? How do you interface? What do you do? Well, let me tell you a little bit about our technology uh, practice. Yeah, we, definitely. We've, we've been involved in the tech sector, as you said, really from uh, the time that technology was transforming right. Pittsburgh when it was going through its rebirth. Right. Um, our former managing partner, Bill Newland, was very heavily involved in the sector, and we represent companies both from the corporate finance side, the mm -hmm. financing side, the venture capital side. My personal practice uh, involves um, a, a hybrid of intellectual property and corporate transactional work that we call the technology transactions practice. Okay. So I handle a lot of the, uh, the work that's involved in terms of protecting of IP assets for startup companies uh, uh, and helping them get through right. sort of the defining moments of the early stages of the company and then their ongoing operations. 
but we also represent a lot of brick and mortar companies that are the customers of tech sector companies oh, okay. to allow us to kind of level the playing field sure. in negotiations to understand how that works. We do a lot of work in the professional services area and IT consulting, um, you know, certainly everything dealing with uh, e-commerce and the internet, software as a service, et cetera. So that's, that's one part of my practice. The other half of my practice, I'm an entertainment lawyer. Yes, you are. And uh, while those two may seem a little bit uh, apart from each other and there are separations to them, there's also a huge convergence point as Okay. Uh, we see in Pittsburgh with yes. the, the stressing of the the art and technology it's... things that there really are uh, crossover points uh, that make it a really fascinating area. Um, I got into that because I was a uh, a professional musician, exactly, and, and that's how I sort of came to have an interest in so entertainment. You get to you get to exercise your passions across the spectrum every day doing what you do. I do, and I also yeah. uh, uh, I I have a trio. Okay. That, uh, we we play clubs and, and what's your trio um, name? What's the? It's, uh... it's a very creative name. Okay. It's the David Gerwin Trio. Oh, there you go. I had to think long and hard about that, but you, I did get the called, spelling right. You and... could have called it the DG Three. I could have, but it was much more hip this way. Yeah, and exactly. Would, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, we're a jazz trio, and we we uh, we play around uh, town, uh, do a lot of club work, and I've got a couple of uh, record albums. Out. I like it. Um, so, where can people find your stuff? If you want, if you're interested in, yeah. in uh, my albums, you can go to www.davidgerwin. It's G-U-R-W-I-N. DavidGerwin.bandcamp.com. .bandcamp.com. There you go. I like it. So, I mean, music's one of those things where it 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 unleashes creative forces within people. It's a creative force in itself, but then it opens your mind to make you even more creative. I think. I'm 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 a I'm an awful musician. I can I can I can play some Rolling Stone songs in Open G because I have one finger that still works, right? And that just when I do that, my brain just opens up and I want to do other stuff. I think it's a, it's like a gateway drug to innovation sometimes. It really can be, and I guess some of it depends on how we're hardwired. I've done right. some of those you know those little Facebook quizzes that you yeah. take to determine whether you're left brain or right brain, and I sort of fall right squarely like, down the I'm middle. both brain, uh-oh. And that's, so that really does, so when I find that uh, the, the creative side of me does inform how I think creatively yeah. on the legal side and, and vice versa. So I do bring, uh, because a lot of uh, playing jazz involves a lot of analytical Ooh, music is like math, too. man. It, it is math. It is completely math to me when I and that's it's, why I'm, that's why I'm terrible at it. Well, <laughs> I want to be good at it. It's math with emotion. And, ah, and I love it. If Very you, cool. If you take the emotion out of it, then it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Math. And it's math. <laughs> Boring <laughs> math. Which you know, people don't typically sit around clubs, you know, wanting to hear people quadratic equations, quadratic man. equations, and integers, and exactly. <laughs> but uh, but it, it is something that. Um, Personally, I find it keeps me in balance to be able totally. to have both sides of my life. And, and they, as I said, they do inform each other. It's not like I, yeah. I have a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde existence. They, they really are. They're, they're both, they're both driving you forward. Now, early you mentioned that you work with a lot of startups. I think it's right. important. I want, to, I want people to realize this. This is something, and this is not me being like Mr. Endorser, but me just speaking very honestly, is that you work, don't be afraid to approach Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. There's some great people like you that are working there. Like you're a very approachable organization, and 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 you know, people think of law firms, they get all scared, like oh, it's a law firm, they're lawyers. Like no, they're actually your friends and your family. Like you're you're not just their 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 legal counsel, but you make connections into the finance world, into the accounting world, all the things that a business needs to run properly. 
Right. That's why I really impress upon people. You've got to start up company. You have legal needs. Don't be afraid to reach out. Now, and certain things really are kind of bet the business decisions that have to be made early on. Right. Some things can be fixed later on. Some things can't. Part of what we do is because we're accustomed to working with emerging companies. We understand their rate sensitivities. We also understand that sometimes good enough is better Exactly. Uh, in a particular situation. We like to give very grounded, practical guidance that really will help uh, make a company a long-term client, not a short-term client. Exactly right. That's why I wanted to bring that up. And so thanks again for hanging out with us. Oh, we pleasure. got a great show in front of us. I'm really pumped to be to be, to be sharing the mic with you tonight because we're going we're to have a lot of fun because we have Bruce Lehrman talking about from Volta. They just opened up a massive data center up north. Number 15, I believe, is what it is. He's going to be talking about that presence. We also have our uh, friend from Eaton, Rupert Russanello, is stopping by tonight. Eaton. 95,000 people, 1,200 in the region, and one. There's only one Russ. He's hanging out with us tonight. Beautiful. Yeah. And last but not least, we have Dr. Greg Reed from the Grid Institute. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think he's got some fascinating things to talk about just in terms of the grid vulnerability and everything that's going on in the world. It'd be really interesting to hear his thoughts. Definitely. Definitely. So keep your dial tuned right here. Too much fun coming your way. If you, if you, if you just got to keep it keep it going here. Uh, so Dave, if people want to learn more about Buchanan Ingersoll and Reading, where can they go and check you guys out? Sure. You can pick us our, uh, go to our website. It's www.buchananingersoll.com or www.buchananingersoll.com bipc.com. Either Just one of them will take you there. Fantastic. If you want to learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council, go to pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. We're just nerding out on technology 24-7. Doing that with this show. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, everybody. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio this very Friday night. This is Jonathan Kirsting, and I'm hanging out with David Gerwin. Hello, everybody. From Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, thanks for uh, filling in for Audrey Russo tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Get well, Audrey. Her voice is healing up. The old laryngitis. But you are here to help us with the interviews and having a little fun and talking about some great tech companies here tonight. And I tell you what, we just had a really cool thing happen about a month ago. Big old grand opening happening within Volta. Big old data center up north. Just saying, man, you cannot have too many data centers as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic. Absolutely, man. So we have Bruce Lehrman with us. From Involta. Thanks for stopping by, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first off, tell us about yourself real quick and what Involta's about, and let's jump into this data center. Because I know Dave's got a ton of questions for you. All right. Well, I love talking about data centers. Cool. So uh, Involta's company started a little over 10 years ago. Uh, We've been uh, building, owning, and operating data centers since then. So we... uh, we just opened our 15th data center in Pittsburgh. We're area. number 15. Number 15. I like it. Yeah. It's like a big number 15 on Lucky there caller, 15. Yeah. <laughs> Call in, you get a free data center. <laughs> yeah, so we've uh, we've continued to expand our business uh, across the country. So we're as far west now as Boise, Idaho, and Tucson, Arizona. Wow. And this is our furthest east that we've been. So we have a number of facilities in the Cleveland Akron, Youngstown area as well. So we're like the crown jewel, right? Absolutely. It's the hottest market we have. <laughs> I love it. Is there a particular uh, industry sector that tends to gravitate towards your facilities? And if so, why? Yeah, so we, we do a lot with the healthcare uh, sector. And uh, here in the Pittsburgh area, UPMC is the anchor tenant. They uh, were wonderful uh, to work with and, and uh, became the anchor that really allowed this opportunity to, to happen, happen here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. So now a little over 40% of our business is healthcare. We have a hmm. healthcare advisory board that we put together a few years ago, and uh, it's just been growing like crazy. 
Are there like special needs? Obviously, if you're healthcare and you're you're, you're putting your data up with with you guys, obviously it's it's healthcare stuff. So it's it's got to be it's got to be solid, right? Absolutely. It's a you know reliability is one of the main things. You know the the hospitals today they use that data on a real time basis when people are on hospital tables. They need that stuff to be up and running 100 percent of the time. Uh, data protection is important. The personal information. Uh, so security is a huge issue with healthcare. And then just uh, the fiber we build uh, with partners to provide that connectivity back to all those hospitals. Um, we can have a real low latency kind of connection, and uh, it's really important for the healthcare sector. So I take it that that's why you tend to be located near your customers as opposed to uh, you know, one of the large data center farms out in Northern Virginia, for example. That's exactly right. Latency is a big part of our business, and uh, there's a whole movement towards what they call edge data centers. And we clearly fit into that sector, which allows um, the data processing to happen more closely to the edge of the network, as you will. So you think about the Internet of Things. Autonomous cars are huge here in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. You know, do you want that stuff running back to northern Virginia, or do you want that data going back to the, As close as possible. The, <laughs> right. Maybe just take a minute to explain to our listeners what a data center is, because I think there might be some good, good people who don't yeah, really understand what a data center is all about. Sure, sure. So uh, data centers are built, um, and they've, they've been built over the last you know, 20, 30 years, typically inside corporate locations. And those, those data centers are really a place where all of the compute storage network that runs all of the IT systems of an organization live. And, um, you know, probably in the late 90s, there became this kind of trend towards moving that to an outsourced uh, model. So, People could build bigger data centers, managing them on scale and reducing the cost and reducing the risk for a lot of these organizations. And so, you know, I started looking at that market back then. I really liked the model. And so when we had an opportunity to start this business in in 2007, you know, we jumped on it. Very, very cool. I think it's just so interesting that... A, that you work with a place like UPMC, so they're going to kind of anchor this thing down. So you have capacity. So is it more healthcare companies you work with or anyone else that, that needs, you know, this, these types of services that you can also uh, service? Yeah, we, we um, tend to pre-lease a certain percentage of a data center uh, for an anchor tenant, and then we build a whole lot more capacity for okay. other businesses. And so it usually fills in with all kinds of other industries, some healthcare, some manufacturing. Okay financial services, those kind of companies all have a need to do this. And frankly, it's just, it's a, it's a better way to do it. You know, they, you think about like a healthcare facility, they've, they outsource their, um, their meal systems, their, their catering, they outsource their laundry, any of the things that aren't core to their business. Right. And IT is know, one of those. Where, IT, IT, yeah. a part of that IT, um, you know, is, is outsourced. So, and, and that's more and more of a trend with all industries is to stay focused on the things that you do best. And, let other people do what they do best. Now, are these all colo facilities, or or do you provide any of the uh, equipment uh, also in addition to providing simply secure access to uninterrupted electricity? Yeah, that's that's a great question. We've um, about five years ago, six years ago, started building our own managed services platform, which allowed us not only to provide that co-location where people bring their equipment in, and we just provide kind of power and network. Um, we also provide the whole managed services, so we'll do all the compute, storage, network, security, all those pieces for those clients. And that's grown into a little bit more than 50% of our business now. And then we've just recently added the capability to do public cloud as well. So we'll build 
kind of express pathways to the public cloud providers like Amazon, AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure, and we're starting to work now with uh, Google Cloud as well, who's coming on strong. Do you find yourself being um, mostly the primary data center or also the backup center for some of your larger clients? So it usually starts like this. The customer will come in and say, you know, we're thinking about getting um, a, sec- a backup data center, and we, we, we would like to take a look at the facility you have. And then a lot of times they come out and they go through this with us, and it, it turns out that maybe our facility um, performs better than their production data center. So they might flip that plan a little bit, and then a lot of times they'll come and say they want to make their secondary site with us somewhere else as well. Maybe it's nearby uh, perhaps it's across the country. So we have uh, built in the Cleveland Akron market two data centers there that are connected by a fiber ring that are less than okay. one millisecond of latency. Wow! So clients can do real time replication of data. So it's truly a hot hot parallel arm. computing. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's still twenty five miles away. So the that's amazing. Bike, yeah, okay. and then so a company can do that hot hot and then move the rest like a, a true backup maybe back to Boise Idaho or something like that. Very cool. What about security concerns these days? At the end of the day, everyone's talking about security. Obviously, you're on top of that. Security is huge. We uh, we have a security offering ourselves, um, and we're ex- we're continuing to expand that both through you know some acquisitions and and uh, partnering capability. Um, but but it's on the top of everybody's mind right now. It's um, you know the, the 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 fact is you know when Equifax was breached, kind of changed the game for a lot of people. I mean, you've seen Target breaches, Sony breach, some of those things. When you have half but, the United States population impacted at that point, people exactly. are really talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stories that, you know, that's going to take Equifax down. It, I mean, you lose the CEO, you lose the CIO, you lose exactly. the chief security officer. That becomes something now that is important to um, the executive level in most companies when they know that it used to just be a cost that everyone's like, oh, how yeah. much How much do we have to do at the very least? Mm-hmm. Now it's something that said, you know what, I'm going to lose my job. It's, if your, we don't it's do your business. Right. It's yeah, your business at that right. point. People learn more about Involta. Where can they go and check you guys out? www.involta.com. Just that simple. And obviously you can learn about all those 15 data centers with number 15 being Pittsburgh. Rocking it. I love it, man. I just think that's so fantastic that you're making that kind of an investment here with UPMC. Yeah. In the region, them anchoring it with you guys. Yeah, they've been fantastic. Fantastic, all the way around. We're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech 5 Radio. So much show in front of us. I got David Gerwin here co-hosting with me. Thanks, David, for hanging out with us. My pleasure. And Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, you know, you guys have been partners with the council for quite a long time. From the very beginning. Absolutely, man. And we value that so much, and we're glad to have you here hanging out with us. So, Thanks. We said more Tech 5 coming. Learn more about the Tech Council by going to pghtech.org. Moosey on over to the good old Twitter and uh, go to at pghtech. And, man, we're tweeting at a million miles an hour these days. There's always something going on, and we're always tweeting about it. So go there as well. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back. So glad you are spending your evening with us here on Tech Vibe Radio. And I got a great co-host with me tonight filling in for Audrey Russo as she recovers from the laryngitis. We have David Gerwin from Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. David, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Very good stuff. It's good to reconnect with you again. You'd been on Tech Vibe many years ago. Many times. Through, one, through our many iterations, and so we're glad to have you back. And not just back, but co-hosting with me the entire night. So I'm glad you're sticking around, <laughs> helping me ask the questions and talk with some really great guests like we have right now. Should be good fun. Thanks. Absolutely. You know, Eaton, big old company, huge presence around the world, but also right here in Western Pennsylvania. And I tell you what, we have Rupert Russinello here. Rupert, thanks for thanks for hanging out, putting on the headsets, 
and spending a little time in the studio with us tonight. Jonathan, thanks for having me. Yeah, so quickly, about yourself. Who are you? Well, we want to know. I've uh, been with uh, with Eaton about 30 years. Just 30 years. Now. Actually started with uh, with Westinghouse uh, in the late 80s okay. uh, here in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, became part of Eaton in 1994. Um, spent about 20 years in the electrical side of the business, uh, about seven years with our hydraulics business. Nice. And then came back as Cooper and Eaton came together at the end of 2013. Very, very cool. And then just tell us a little bit about Eaton's presence, just just generally, because like I said before, big company, like 90, how many employees, like 95,000 people? Yeah. Yeah, Eaton, uh, I think the way to think about it is, is uh, I mean, we pride ourselves on, on making what matter works, but kind of in three power technology areas. One, okay. is, one is fluid power. So that's, uh, that's things like uh, on an airplane, literally the, the fuel system and the landing gear. Uh, mechanical power, so that's uh, like uh, transmissions on a, on a large Class A truck. And then electrical power um, and part of the business that I'm in. And so that's the, uh, the safe distribution of electrical power and then the efficient use of, uh, of electricity for motors and lighting and other applications. That's what makes everything happen at the end of the you day. Bet. You don't have modern civilization <laughs> without it. So thank you, Eaton, for making that stuff happen. You we bet. appreciate it. <laughs> very, very cool. So uh, talk about your commitment to the region. I know that like every year I see your name around the Carnegie Science Awards. And STEM education is such a big deal because you're thinking about the next generation of folks to be to be the engineers at, at Eaton. Yeah, I think uh, on, the, on the professional side, Clearly, when you think about those technologies and applications, heavy, heavy science, technology, engineering, and math requirement um, in uh, in our company and many others. On the personal side, my wife and I have uh, four kids. She's an engineer. I'm an engineer. And, and over the years, we've seen a lot of kids um, kind of get turned off um, to math and science prematurely. Um, part of it is is maybe kind of a heavy topic, but I think uh, part of it is is also it's uh, it's a little cut and dry and uh, maybe not that exciting or kind of shrouded in other applications. So. Um, I've been the uh, the chairman of the Carnegie Science Awards um, for the last five years. The so. PTC, we're, we're a sponsor. We're there every year. Yep. One um, year I got to hand out an award. Well, maybe uh, it was I, know, exciting. I know somebody on the inside. Maybe we can do that again <laughs> this year. Um, so so that, that, that recognizes students, uh, educators, and innovators um, in the region for, for advancements in science, technology, engineering, math, and uh, one of the things I'm really uh, proud of in the in the last um, two years, we've had had a, had a slight departure. So so that activity typically builds up the capabilities um, in high school and then on into college in a profession. Um, we've recognized a similar need um, on the trade side, if you will. So installers of electrical equipment, mechanical equipment, very uh, much carpenters, so, right. plumbers, uh, heavy heavy math. The element. trades are coming back, and and we're short people. We we really are. And so uh, one of the things that we added last year was uh, an award criteria around this teaching in, in the vocational area. So uh, college is in everybody's path. So some folks want to work outside or in, in the field and, and uh, maybe not as, as uh, heavy uh, STEM load. So um, really excited to, to see that happen in a, in a bigger way in, the, in Western PA. Without a doubt. Dave, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the notion that college really isn't the path for everyone and this, the, uh, the idea that somehow uh, the failure to go to a four-year college is deemed to be something um, less noble than uh, going for a Votech or a community college or going through a trade thing when we are desperately short of highly skilled laborers. Very much and, so. And I think so many people fail to grasp the just the, the degree of sophistication uh, with these kinds of jobs and the, the level of knowledge that's really required to do it. And you hear time and time again that uh, there are all kinds of jobs that simply can't be filled here because you don't have people appropriately trained and educated to, to handle those tasks. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great idea to do that. 
I'm wondering just on a on a more global level whether the I've often thought that the the lack of a of a robust manned space program seems to have taken some of the uh, pizzazz and, and inspiration for a lot of kids who, when I was growing up, wanted to be engineers, wanted to be physicists, wanted to go into the sciences. Now uh, it seems like without that kind of a national goal in mind, it, it's harder to sell kids on the, the notion of uh, these STEM jobs, but they're incredibly important. Yeah, I think what we see is is um, uh, companies like uh, Google, companies like Apple, um, which are software heavy typically right um a lot of sizzle there um google is here in, in a big way in, in pittsburgh as, as you know and so um it's a war for talent for for engineers for sure uh, i think this the science center is in a, in a unique position because um with the with the science center itself you've got kids that are doing interactive activities from elementary school and middle school and uh and if we if we branch out at that point and i, I think we can have some some embedded messages there is how do you design and build a house how do you Go in and replace the plumbing in a house. That's things that you can do that are that are hands-on and and kind of make that connection earlier on to to a, a trade or a vocation or or a profession. Um, so so locally, I think we have a, a unique opportunity to do that at the science center. And Very certainly, good. don't steer them yeah towards one gender or the other. Yeah, I mean, that's part yeah. of the problem historically. Has yeah. been. absolutely. Just reminding our listeners, we are talking to Rupert Rusinello from Eaton, hanging out with us tonight, and uh, you're one of 1,200 employees that are in. The southwestern Pennsylvania region, mm-hmm. and you got a really cool facility up in up in Warrendale. It's part of the Eaton Power Systems Experience Center, the PSEC. Very cool place. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know the thing about electricity is you you want it to be there and not really worry much about it. And so the experience don't want to worry about electricity <laughs> at all. So um, at at the Experience Center, you you literally see how power is generated, uh, distributed. And, and then um, in the applications everywhere from a residential application in your house, where right. you literally have a house set up with, with generators and, and load centers and satellite to a, a commercial application like behind a strip mall, all the way through to kind of heavy industry like a, a refinery or a manufacturing right. location. You need to bring some students out there on a regular basis. Like Great to, idea. Just like it, it'll take the place of the space program, right? Great <laughs> idea. Right. Great idea. And uh, uh, there, there's, there's uh, courses that, that, are, that are given there for uh, engineers. For selecting products, installers who uh, like electricians that are putting it in, and then and then users. So, uh, a lot of folks coming through there. But great idea to bring more students in before they made their uh, their career choice. It should be mandatory. Make them I go agree. check I totally it out. Agree. <laughs> I love seeing that stuff in action because you realize that there's great companies that are making really hard stuff seem like the flip of a light switch, and that's what Eaton does. Exactly. And you never take it for granted as much as you do when the power goes out. Absolutely. And you still habitually will be reaching for switches and expecting <laughs> them to, to turn yeah. on. So. Just expect it to be there. We, exactly. work, we work hard on making that happen. Absolutely. <laughs> very, very, very cool. So what else is happening with Eaton these days in the uh, in the region? Because there's so much going on. It's like hard to focus on one area for me sometimes. Yeah, the, the um, we actually have, uh, uh, as you said, 1,200 folks. So yeah. uh, um, uh, manufacturing and, and supply chain mm-hmm. right here in the region. Um, heavy uh, engineering focus. So folks working on uh, new products and solutions, um, as as well as our uh, uh, sales and, and and customer interfacing groups. Um, so a- across the board uh, presence here. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're really looking at, at now is uh, the, again, you expect the electricity to be there. You expect it to be safe. Um, you hear this notion now of this uh, Internet of Things or IoT yes. or Industrial IoT. Internet of Things. And so, you know, we've got a, a position kind of in that, that architecture. Um, we're, again, we're doing the, the safe and, and reliable power. But now there's an appetite for more information 
out of the electrical system? Um, am I close to my max capacity or can I, can I add some more loads on? Um, once I get the information now, I want to do some controls. I want to do some things that in the past I, I haven't wanted to do or I haven't been able to do. So, for example, let's say, uh, you know, it's a, it's a summer afternoon and we get uh, heavy thunder showers, and the municipality has to pump all that rainwater and can't have anything spill out that's untreated. So they want to look at, hey, can, can I kind of sweat my system a little bit, right, run right. it a little bit harder right, for, right. you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then kind of bring the protection back well, I've got to have the information about what's going on with my system, and I've got to have the ability to control it and change things. Um, so, so you know, IoT is a bit of a buzzword, but it's basically kind of smart connected devices that help you do applications that either you didn't know you needed to do before or maybe were really expensive to do. Do you find that or anticipate that that's actually going to filter down to the consumer level where, where people are going to kind of micromanage their own household uh electricity usage is in the same way absolutely absolutely so there's this kind of uh, notion of a of a micro grid or even a nano grid at your house so when you think about you know in a lot of cases folks have solar on the roof and or a standby generator and or power from the utility mm-hmm. and so you know you, if, if you were proactive you could you could pull the pull the power from one of the different sources to make sure you have it reliably but also less expensively and so we, we see that happening in the household now and so we have technology that basically the Circuit breakers that are in the load center in your house take the place of the meter for the utility. You get the data, and then you can also turn loads on and off based on whether you want to be fed from the generator, the solar power. That's what I'm talking about, and that's that, that's like the future right there. And to know that Eaton's working on that kind of stuff, I just think is absolutely fantastic. We've got about a minute or so left. If people want to learn more about Eaton, where can they go and just really just explore all the different angles where Eaton kind sure. of has its Sure, I would process. say, you know, uh, anybody with access to the Internet, uh, Eaton.com is a great place to start. Okay. And then uh, you mentioned the Experience Center yeah. in, in Warrendale. It's just uh, west of uh, 76 and and. and 79, uh, as, as you mentioned, we have, we have courses, we have open houses. So if you, if you want to see technologies and solutions that matter in your life, whether it's the work side or the home side, we'd love to see anytime. Really, really cool. Thank you for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. And uh, to have you be here, I think it's just great for people to know what you guys are up to. Really appreciate it. Thank All you All the much. way around. We're, we're taking a quick break, but we're coming back with more Tech Vibe Radio. We have Dr. Greg Reed from the Energy Institute, from uh, actually Pitts Energy Grid. It's like an, this is like a, a very energetic show, for lack of a better term, because we have a little focus on energy going on here. I just kind of realized that, but it's exciting to be able to focus on these types of things. Anyhow, this is Jonathan Kirsting from the Pittsburgh Tech Council. And David Gerwin from Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. And if people want to learn more about Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney Day, where can they go? www.bipc.com. I thought that's what it was. I was double-checking with you first. Anyhow, we'll be right back after this quick break. Hang out. Thanks again for making Tech Vibe Radio part of your Friday night. We love bringing you the best of what's happening in Pittsburgh's technology sector. And I am hanging out with David Gerwin from Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. You're filling in for Audrey Russo tonight. I am. Get, get well soon, Audrey. want to wish her a speedy recover. May your voice come back. Exactly. The laryngitis, man. It's not good for radio. It's not good for radio. And we're glad you're able to fill in for us. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight, man. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Like, so we have a little bit of a theme building tonight. We just got done talking to our friends over at Eaton. You know, electrical power components. Right. And this theme just goes right on over. I didn't even realize I was doing this until I was looking at it, like who's stopping by the show. And I have I have Dr. Greg Reed from, from the University of Pittsburgh's Grid Institute. Very cool place. More people need to know that this place exists. That's all I can say. Cause I stopped over there for like 20 minutes over at the Energy Innovation Center. And I was like, oh, my. You got to stop by the show. So thanks for stopping out. 
My pleasure. It's great to be here. So, so tell us about yourself real quick. What's your background? My background is in the you, electric power what, industry. What gets you charged up? <laughs> what gets me charged yeah. up? Audrey, please get back soon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Audrey, I'm sorry I missed you. And hope you feel better soon. Although you may be happy that you're not here for this segment. I'm not sure. But I, I've been in the electric power industry my whole career. Um, I've, I've spent uh, many years in the industry itself. Um, okay. Started my career in the utility industry with Con Edison of New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did my PhD here in Pittsburgh at the University of Pittsburgh. Spent some time with what was then the Westinghouse R&D right, Center right, in electric right, right. power technologies back in the mid-90s. Okay. I was with Mitsubishi Electric for 11 years, so on the uh, manufacturing and technology cool. side of it. And then uh, transitioned into my role at the University of Pittsburgh where I'm a professor and director of our Center for Energy and, and the, the New Grid Institute uh, over the last 10 years or so. And so years. bring a lot of industry you know, experiences with me to, to academia, which, which has been terrific because a lot of our programs and what we've done in our energy and, and especially in our power-related activities have been with industry partners and constituents like Eaton as one example. Exactly. And, and the other companies I've worked for, like Mitsubishi Electric and, and uh, Westinghouse as well now. The nuclear division is a partner with us. ABB and Siemens and the utilities, Duquesne Light, First Energy. It goes on and on. It's more of a really question who you're not working with. Who right? we're not working yeah. with, exactly. Yeah, and especially regionally. Uh, what's exciting for the region, of course, is the energy nexus that we have here. And it's not just with the resources, you know, around natural gas and and coal and everything else, but it's really the the technology side of it and all the manufacturing that still exists in this region. It's very strong. And, And a lot of it does date back, you know, to the Westinghouse era that George Westinghouse built up you know, throughout the Industrial Revolution and, and past then. it's It still exists very much in these companies mm-hmm. like the ones we mentioned, but also, you know, many others that were uh, either former divisions of Westinghouse, uh, Eaton is one of those as an example, Emerson Process Management, or organizations that joint ventured with Westinghouse and then became, you know, ownerships under those parent organizations. When you put all those companies back together again today here in the Pittsburgh region, they they almost exceed what Westinghouse was at its height, so it's pretty impressive. I believe it. And are you working with the governmental agencies at all, also in terms of addressing vulnerabilities on the the power grid? Jonathan and I were talking about it off air, and it really is pretty frightening when you think about the the, the interdependency we have on this grid. That if it goes down in one spot, the notion that it can take down in a chain reaction the rest of the electrical power supply. Yeah, and, and we, you know, we're developing new solutions for that for sure. But to answer your, your question first, yes, we, we work with government agencies as well, the Department of Energy. Uh, you know, we have funding from, from some of the offices there, National Science Foundation. You know, we've even in the past been supported by the state government to look at some of these things. And it, it is an increasing area of concern for us, uh, both from what I would call uh, natural events, whether it's hurricanes or storms in the summer and the wintertime, uh, all the all the physical vulnerability mm-hmm. that we have, but now what's starting to enter in is a new era of of cyber issues right. that we have to be very concerned about. So we we are looking at that, and the nature of the grid. It's very interesting, and this is some of the stuff that we're doing at the Grid Institute, right? right? right. You know, to, to answer the question, what's the Grid Institute? It's it's really a new enterprise that we established uh, the middle of last year that really represents, uh, number one, an an off-campus set of laboratories and capabilities 
that we are constructing, as you mentioned, Jonathan, at the Energy Innovation Center building, the old Connolly Trade School, yep. if people know where that is, uh, near downtown Pittsburgh, across the street from where the Civic Arena used to used to be, I guess the Mellon Arena. The Mellon Arena, right. And um, we're building a new uh, high-power voltage uh, laboratory down there that will basically replicate a uh, utility electrical distribution network at the actual voltages and currents and capacities that you see in an electrical network. And then we're going to couple that with a lot of advanced technologies, smart grid technologies, if you will, that, you know, will control and do the communications exactly. and, you know, simulation of, of grid issues. Uh, and what we can do is really test out and, and develop a lot of new technologies with our industry partners, with the utilities side by side. So whatever the issue is, if it's a new technology that we need, if it's a new methodology that we need, hmm. something operational to overcome some of these issues, this will be a place where we, we can, can develop it. all that exactly. and do it. We're going to build there. Really, it'll be a self-contained right. system, an energy system, a microgrid, we call it, where exactly. we'll have resources on site, solar, natural gas. Um, we'll be fed from Duquesne Light's distribution system. We're looking at some wind turbines on there. So we'll have different resources that we can you know, move in and out and then, again, look at all these new technologies that are developing. I'm sleeping better already because, as David said, we were kind of getting a little freaked out talking about, like, I, I just feel like our current energy grid's a little susceptible and to know that we've got smart men and women like you working on this is making me feel much well, better. Well, the industry's done a good job. I mean, when you mm -hmm. look at the reliability in the United States and, and you take out natural disasters, right, the right. reliability of the grid is like 99.996%. Okay. And I always say— I want 9.7. Come on, let's not, go. Well, a lot of people do. A lot of people want 100%. That's a little bit hard to do. But we, Visit a foreign country sometime <laughs> and see how, how reliable the energy is. That's right. Exactly. I mean, think of anything else you own. Your car— your iPhone, your computer, none of those come close to that kind of reliability. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And that the is, grid is yeah. so complex. It's a vast Oof. network. It cuts across our whole continent, not yeah. just the country. And you, electricity is a, a unique commodity. And I'll say one thing about it, you know, going back to what you said before. It is critical. I I, I like to call electricity the lifeblood of modern society. It is. <laughs> I mean, as human beings, we need water and food to exist. To exist. As a modern society, too. we need electricity. Right. Look at what happens when we lose power. It's the one thing that really causes us to panic. It does. And then, unfortunately, when you look at things like these disasters that happen, the very first thing that has to come back, you know, beyond just very basic needs, and, and it requires Electricity's got to be the first needs, thing back on. The absolute first thing. I mean, what goes hand in hand with these storms? The power. We're always reporting on the power outages, how many customers are out. Can we get some generation in there? Those are the things that we're trying to address. How do we enhance not just the reliability? The reliability isn't bad, but the resiliency mm. and the security. Uh, security, of I think, networks. is a big part that Dave and I were part. talking about. Was the yeah. fact that like we don't want anyone hacking our systems here. That's right. <laughs> and if they do, it blinks out for a second, and something else comes in line to take its place. Yeah, exactly. And so th there are technologies, there are solutions that are being developed. And I, again, I would say the utilities have done tremendous job over the decades, the whole industry together, you know, with the manufacturers and the technology developers and suppliers. Uh, we all work together. It's it's a... I was going to ask you that. So there is information sharing among the various utilities who, or other other power providers who otherwise might be competitors, they're, they're willing to share this kind of information. There, there really is. When you look at things like the... Um, Engineering societies like the IEEE and, and mm -hmm. others, you know, right. we really come together there. Even though manufacturers, for example, are competing out there in the marketplace, right. uh, we do work together on standards, on 
you know, common solutions on certifications. The utilities by nature haven't been competitive. You know, it was a very regulated industry, a monopolistic industry right. for decades. And still from the transmission and distribution side, it still is. And so that's why you see when there are catastrophes in certain areas, like what happened down in Florida and in Texas, organizations like Duquesne Light. Everyone comes sending, down there to help. They bring in their crews, their get the power crews. back up. Yeah. We work together. It's, it's, a, it's a very tight-knit industry. Ben. It's a family, I bet. It, it really is. And it's one of the things I've loved about being in this industry is that professionalism mm-hmm. that, that exists in it and that really people coming together, you know, in times of need. And, right. you know, when you're dealing with something like electricity and how important it is, you know, again, to our to our quality of life, to our society, to our productivity, um, it's really important that we do that. And so that's one of the ideas behind what we want to do at the Grid Institute. Mm-hmm. We want to really create a lot of collaborative programs where we're bringing the issues that we have that really hit the road at the utility itself. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. this is where things come together. And then work together with the vendors, the manufacturers, the technology developers, the suppliers, everybody in collaborative manners and consortium models, whatever it might be, in certain partnerships to come up with those solutions together. Is and, the and Department we can, of Homeland Security involved in this? Um, not not right now, um, you know, but that certainly is, is an organization that, that could participate with us. We're in discussions, as you might imagine, that with a sense. lot of organizations. And, and right now we have 15 industry organizations uh, who are uh, initial partners with us. And, in fact, they've contributed significantly, you know, to the, to the build-out of the facility and, and what we're trying to do. And so, you know, together we, we, can, we can work on these solutions. So you come back to these cascading outages. You know, right. we have technologies today that can be implemented to solve that. It's around how do you put together a plan and a strategy that we can all come together regionally, nationally. So it's really uh, a management issue. To. It's not a technology. So, some of it is, yeah. Some of the technologies do need to be improved, and that's one of the things that we want to work on. But, you know, we're in this era right now, just as one example, where our whole grid has been pet, uh, predicated on alternating current. Right. And we're looking at going back to, to DC. direct current yeah, to, because to, of the new resources exactly. like solar and storage and right. how we can deliver it more effectively with new technologies today. That can help solve some of these cascading blackout problems, for example. So, Dr. Reed, if people want to learn more about the grid... Institute, where can they go and check you out? Uh, they can go to our, our website, um, www.grid.pit.edu. I love it. I, I just love knowing this resource is right here in Pittsburgh. Knowing you're at the helm doing that, I think it's just fantastic. Dave and I are both sleeping better at night knowing that you guys are working on these hard issues. Well, good. I'll stay up and keep working on it. Well, keep working, but we're sleeping, all right? That's, that's <laughs> that what we like, like it around here. Great plan. And David, I got to thank you for hanging out with us tonight and filling in for Audrey. Oh, uh, it's been my pleasure. It's been yeah. fun. People learn more about Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney. Where can they go and check you guys out? They go to our website. It's www.bipc.com. And don't be afraid to contact David. I'm telling you, man, these are like your friends and your family. These are folks that are there to help you. They're your business partners is really what it comes down to. And you guys have been hanging out with the Tech Council for more than 30 years. That's since, all I can say. Yep, since, since its inception, founding, right? back in 1983, when I was in the fifth grade. Just saying. Anyhow, learn more about the Tech Council by going to pghtech.org. After that, have yourself an awesome weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.